0: contains spoilers for Batman The Long Halloween Parts 1 and 2. If you haven't seen them, see them, and then come straight back and listen to the show. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Fantastic Universes Podcast. The man who's joining me tonight is someone I've been wanting to talk to for months and months and months. He's uh, taken the wheel of the mystery machine, felt the power of Skull taken the DC superhero girls and made them hit the bricks and Lego. He's taken war to Cybertron, killed one Superman and brought back four others. He's even taken the Teen Titans to school. But most recently, he's put Batman through 13 months of sheer hell. Trick or treat style. Yes, sirree. With one magic word, may I please present Tim Shazam Sheridan.
1: Hi, thank you. That's very kind and... and Super fun introduction. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad we have a chance to finally talk.
0: Oh, thank you. And and I've got a couple of questions from um, writers from the site. Who, what I will say is 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 for those listening who don't know Tim's work. Not only is he a terrific writer, but guys, just so you know, he did not write the line Judas Contract on Ice.
1: No, I did not. <laughs> I did not. And I'm happy to. I am happy to disavow that one. Sometimes you know the editors get in there and have a little fun, and um that one was that I would not have done that. I mean, I you know that's not what I would have said. I th- I think that that's too important a story. That's too Absolutely. too much of a downer of a story to really make make a make a sort of a punchline out of. That's yeah, but that's yeah. hey, I don't I I you know you don't. You're a hired gun, you know, I don't get control over every little detail sometimes. so well,
0: the control you have had has been quite heartwarming and and a lot of the questions will attest to that from a, a ton of our writers. so let's let's just dive straight in. Obviously, right now, the big news is obviously long Halloween part two. Now, Mr. Sheridan, I have to tell you that the Long Halloween is one of my all-time favorite stories, and sir, Well done. I love what you've done to it. I love the changes. You've taken away the ambiguity. I was wondering how you were going to bring Alberto back, but you decided not to, which surprised me. And unlike um, other entries into the DC animated universe, um, I didn't like Killing Joke, well, at least the first half of it. And I did not like the changes they made to Hush. But honestly, Long Halloween it's now up there. Both films are up there with *The Dark Knight Returns* and *Mask of the Phantasm* as my favorite Batman animated movies. So thank you.
1: Wow! Wow! Thank you. That's that's incredible. Um, you know, uh, we, we probably should say if that, I don't know when people will hear this, but mm. if you haven't watched Part Two, spoilers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you Definitely. just heard a big one. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's um, it, it it was something that I really thought it was important to not. For the surprise about Alberto to not come in part two, I really wanted you know, and this had varying degrees of effect with mm-hmm. different different viewers. I really wanted you to know at the end of part one that if you were a big fan of the source material and really uh, knew what was coming in terms of the story of the book that we did make a change there at the end of mm-hmm. part one. I wanted it to be so clear that um that we were going to do. This a little bit differently, and uh, and so therefore you're not sitting there throughout part two waiting, wondering when when is that going to happen, when is that twist going to come around the corner. And I think that we were, you know, in, with some people that was successful, with some people it wasn't. I think, um, you know, I I think I was really much more v- explicit in terms of the visuals in the script. As yes. to what happens to Alberto at the end, oh yes, of one, <laughs> so that there would be absolutely no question. Um, but uh, we we did dial it back just slightly. It was a it was. I mean, ultimately, I think they I think they animated it, but we we had to dial it back because we were going to get an R rating, which we didn't want to get. But then later on, we ended up getting an R rating. On part two, and by then I think everyone had decided, you know what, let's just have an R rating. So, yeah. so, um, so we we made a little bit of a change there to make it a little less uh, gruesome at the end of part one. But uh, I, I felt it was important for it to be super definitive because yes. this is this is you know we're not just pointing a camera at the book; mm. we have to interpret the book and realize it in a completely different medium and the way the story works and the way it plays out in the book is something i think that you can do really well in comics but would be i think a difficult sell for the movie we were making so um so very in the very beginning we said you know let's let us pick a lane on this resolution Mm -hmm. and and the, the 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 we knew going into it that we were not you know there were going to be people who said that's the wrong ending and there were going to be people who said that's the right ending and yeah and the fact is it's an ink blot you know i mean i think that there are different ways to interpret the ending of the book and you know this was this is one way to interpret it
0: absolutely what i loved is the fact that as you quite rightly stated, it's an interpretation. You did not gloss over or paint over or whitewash the source material. There was a lot of love for The Long Halloween in your films. Without a shadow of that, you could tell that you loved the source material. But the changes you made, I mean, let's be honest here. If you were to adapt it exactly like the books, it would have been at least three movies. I mean, you had to lose the whole subplot with the coroner and finding out the truth that it wasn't really Alberto's body. And so many people who complain about the source material, say that, well, actually, who is Holiday? Your version is crystal clear.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for better or worse, but some fans who who don't, you know, I think what a lot of people do is they look at Dark Victory, the follow-up mm, to yes. last week, and their, inf- their ideas are informed by that. And we made a very conscious decision early on. We said, we're going to make this, at, at, and we're going to not, we're going to, as much as we can, disregard the stuff that came later, um, and try and make this as though it is, uh, in, you know, 97 or 98 right now. And, mm-hmm. and we don't know what, what Jeff Loeb and Tim will have in store where we did break that rule was with Catwoman, where we felt mm-hmm. that it was, we wanted to beef up the role of Catwoman more in these movies. And thankfully we had the brilliant, Naya Rivera playing oh, Catwoman, absolute perfection, and um, and 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 so so. But but rather than come in and and reinvent and give our own sort of take on you know a- additional material for Catwoman, we wanted to root that in the story as told by by Jeff and Tim throughout this this larger story of of that long Halloween universe.
0: Beautiful, and it was it was really well done. I mean, we commented on the podcast for episode one. We haven't done the audio review of, of part two yet because we wanted to wait a little bit closer for when the film came out. But um, we said that the changes you have made, bringing it up to date, like replacing the Irish mob with the uh, triads and stuff, was was inspired. I mean, how much freedom were you given, and who made some decisions? Was it was it all yourself as the writer?
1: I mean, I I, I was. In meetings very early before any words got put onto paper with Butch Lukic, our supervising producer, who essentially is the director uh, that you would think of in, in cinema. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and our, our producer, Jim Craig, our story producer. Mm. Um, and I worked with those guys before and um, we had a great rapport. And, uh, you know, we sat down and started figuring out how to come at this movie one of the first things was I said, I can't do this in one 80 minute movie. It it won't Impossible. be anything like yeah. the long Halloween anymore. I'm going to have to move all the important transformation stuff with Harvey into act one of this story or, or act two at best. And uh, in the middle, and that's, you know, essentially 20, 30 minutes in to the movie. And it just didn't feel right. It, we needed to have time. It's also, it's, it's about time. The, there's a calendar. There's a, a ticking clock based around a calendar that's playing out in the story, the spine of the whole story. And other and, and if we if we'd done it in one short movie, we would have been mm. jumping from murder to murder, and it would have yeah. felt like a snuff film, you know, just yeah. murder, murder, <laughs> <there's> another murder. <laughs> you know, a month later, somebody else gets murdered. And um, and it just didn't feel right to me. And I said, I don't think I can do it as one. And everybody said, Yeah, you're right. Let's 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 go pitch that we're gonna do this in two movies. And and they did, and and uh, and everybody agreed. There was there was no real resistance to towards. I don't know what those what the producers went through to get that to happen, mm. but there was none. None of that came to me from for me from the very beginning. It was always only support, and and from people who understood the book, who are fans of the material, and wanted to realize it, uh, you know, in this new medium and in you know its other medium in the best way, you know, that we could. So that it was it was really a kind of a dream project for somebody like me to work on in that respect, um, and uh, uh, oh, I forget what the setup was for this because there was a specific oh you were talking about the the uh, the Irish um, mm, uh, yes. gang, and um, that was that was a a, a a real sort of thinker for for us and I said look this if we just cast this movie the way it's cast in the book. This is there's going to be very little diversity amongst the cast, just in terms of the cast. I'm not even thinking in terms of characters, but just, you know, who who else can we can we involve, you know, in the in the in the filmmaking process and what other voices can we get in? And and and, and in addition to that, another piece of it was sort of sticking with me, which was I felt that in the 90s, the idea of the Irish gang had some more weight than it does, at least here in America now. Mm -hmm. um, You know, we we saw on the news every day, you know, in the 90s, you know, the, some, you know, just the the things that, things that were happening in Ireland. And I think that there was, I don't know that any of that informed the book. I don't know that, but I felt that at least tangentially the story could have maybe benefited from people's sort of wariness of, of the idea of like Irish gangsters at that time. And I thought, well, what's sort of the, the equivalent of that today? The mystery today, not the equivalent, I shouldn't say the equivalent, but what is a similar thing today where there's a mystery uh, around a, a group of you know bad guys, you know, who are doing bad stuff, but that we don't really necessarily know a lot about. And it, by thinking of it as a Chinese triad, it opened up an opportunity for us to cast some, some, you know. Um, actors uh, of of different backgrounds. And I, for me, that was just a win all over the place. The The big question came. It's like, oh, well, is it right to cast, to, to make the, you know, to bring in these, to bring in Asian actors uh, or actors of Asian, with Asian heritage as bad guys? Are we not helping? Are we hurting at that point? And I said, look, if we're going to draw the line at, you know, bringing in, Diverse people as good guys and not bad guys. There aren't going to be any roles because there aren't a lot of good guys in They're this. They're not going story. to be any more films made. Absolutely. There's no, there's but there are no real good guys in the mm-hmm. story. I mean, Batman, but but even his legacy is a little complicated. But he's Batman, you know. So so if you take Batman out of it, there's just you know it's a lot of a lot of bad dudes. Gordon, you know. But um, it's tough when you have those big legacy characters to make any changes like that. So I think that ultimately it was a it was something that made a lot of sense to us. And we were sort of willing to go there, and and uh, knowing that there would be some people who would who would have criticisms about it, but we think ultimately in the end it was the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I thought the changes worked; they were there for a purpose, and if diversity is one of those purposes, then fantastic, even more reason to. But I'm glad you brought up the um background of the characters, and obviously the two good guys, as you quite rightly say, a Batman and Jim, and obviously. Poor old Harvey starts off good, but ends up going the other way. But really? I have to ask you I've noticed that your avatar on Twitter is the wonderful Neil Adams uh, cover from it's Batman. You're 14. It and is, Yes. guess. Andy. Yeah, the Andy Helfer this, one. Now, that was ex. one of my favorite Two Face origin stories. And I noticed that to you me. put
1: a lot. Ah, I was right. Excellent. It, it's funny that you say it, though, because I was such a big fan of that story when it was published in that annual in 1990. And uh, that opened up the whole thing to me. There's a lot of that story in Jeff's and Tim's Long Halloween. And um, and I I really it, it brought such dimension to Two-Face and to Harvey that um you know, for me, when I went into this process, I thought, well, if I have an opportunity, I want to make sure that I honor that tradition and that legacy, which is how I learned about Harvey's sort of backstory and his, what he had gone through. Now, it doesn't, nothing in the movie negates that story about about him and his father, except the part about getting the coin from his dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we give a new sort of origin to the coin in this story, in the movie. But Which which was I think was important. We tied it into this story in a very direct way. But um, but in terms of his his mental health, in terms of what he dealt with growing up, and uh, all of that was was stuff that had I had I had room, I I would have had it in in there to really help sort of uh, uh, ease you into the idea that that Harvey, you know, has has always been dealing with with yes. uh, with mental health issues and that it this didn't just happen because somebody threw acid in his face. Um we end up doing that in a more cinematic way. You hear mm-hmm. the voices begin, you even see him, you see in part 1 a scene between Two-Face and Jim Gordon at the standing at the foot of Falcone Towers and um you know it but he's not Two-Face yet, he's not scarred yet, but but it is the first time you know, if you hear the if you listen to that dialogue again, it's Two Face yes, talking yes. about, you know, I thought I I thought I'd stretch my legs, yeah. you know. He's not talking about leaving the hospital. It's not, not Harvey right. talking about leaving the hospital. Taking it's Two Face talking about revealing himself and mm-hmm. opening up into the, the world for the first time, and uh, and then he realizes he's not ready, and he he goes back in. <laughs> um, so there's little teases like that. But let me tell you, Josh Dumel just sold all of that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. You know, it's it's beautiful. I didn't want it to be overt. I wanted it to be kind of subtle, the kind of thing that you might not notice on the first viewing, but maybe on the second viewing, um, which is what a lot of the lines in the movie are. A lot of the lines in the movie are like a coin flip. Sometimes they can be interpreted two different ways, which drove Chris Palmer, the director, crazy. He would, he would, come, to me, he would come to me and say, just tell me what this means. Which? What do you mean? What does this character mean when they say this? Does it mean A or B? And I'd say what do you think? <laughs> and, and he'd say, come on, just tell me. I said, you, you need to make a decision and, and choose one and go with it. But what's important for me is that I don't make that decision for you or the audience. You know, so I, you I, 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 had, I had a ton of fun. It's the most fun I ever had writing something, I think. <laughs> Tim, the
0: shrink Sheridan, what do you think? <laughs> Brilliant <laughs> stuff. Tell me
1: what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and then collecting my paycheck, you know.
0: really good i mean it it was good stuff i mean it does lead me i do have a few questions as i said that um you mentioned dark victory which is again a, a seminal classic a much loved story um your dream project for another book to adapt to film would that be one of them
1: oh no question i mean if somebody came to me and said you know hey you, you did a good job on this long halloween would you take a crack at dark victory i i i i would be very interested in doing that under the right circumstances i mean i think that you know it's, it, i would do it with this creative team and you know the people that we, we we did made long halloween with absolutely um uh so yeah but there are there are other stories out there too and by the way also i, I mean i love adaptations but i also think there's so much room in animation for original stories Absolutely. that are maybe not even whole cloth original but inspired by stuff from the comics and from the legacy that's that's why the third movie that I worked on with this team was Superman Man of Tomorrow mm-hmm. after we did Long Halloween 1 and 2 now because Oh, of,
0: so you did Man of Tomorrow. All oh, right. Okay.
1: Yeah, that was the third movie it was supposed to come out after Long Halloween 1 and 2. We ended up having to move it up in the production order and in the release order. Because there was, and Butch Lukács uh, talked about this uh, recently, there was, um, Warner Brothers uh, told us that that Matt Reeves was adapting The Long Halloween for his live-action movie, and that they didn't want us to release our movie until after his movie came out. And then his movie was facing some delays, and then obviously, you know, with the pandemic, it faced Damn more delays. And, and yeah. And, uh, and then somewhere along the way, uh, we got the word that, his movie was no longer, I guess, really considered an adaptation of long Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, mean, I, I honestly knew nothing about his movie. And so, um, so, so I don't, I couldn't tell you if it is or it's not, you know, but they, all I know is they told us, go ahead and, and finish your movies and release them. By then we had already put man of tomorrow into the first slot. And that came out first. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's you know, that's and those were those were the, the 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 yeah, the three movies that I worked on with that team. They were it was a great, great time.
0: Good stuff. But
1: yeah, but, a- but man of tomorrow, to answer your question, man of tomorrow was an original story. But, mm-hmm. you know, with an asterisk like all of these things, because there there were there was a lot of inspiration that came from several um, comics and, and graphic novels. Um you know that I looked to throughout the process and some of those similarities and and sort of homages were were more uh, obvious than others um but uh, you know I think that I like I like those stories I like doing a an original story but you know in quotes and that it's but it's rooted in in mythology in the comics that we all know and accept
0: yeah absolutely you could feel a lot of love for the whole 80 plus year history of superman in the film as you can with batman in the long halloween two parter but the two part i mean obviously there was precedent for it with the dark knight returns with the superman two parter you've already said how it was a great decision um were there any scenes you cut that were painful to remove or things that you added in which were a joy
1: yeah i mean look there's there are all sorts of little things that you know the 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 way the film is finally realized, and this is just the nature of the business. You know the way it's finally yeah. made. It's made by uh, I I do my job, and I write down the movie that's in my head, and I send it, put it in the basket, and send it down the river, and and I entrust it to the next guys, and the next guys, you know, get to sort of, you know, realize it and make the movie that I've given them a blueprint for it. But along the way, they find that some of the stuff I wanted doesn't work anymore. Or once they put it on its legs, it just doesn't really make sense. in. Or it's maybe I overwrote something. Um, or or maybe we need some connective tissue that I didn't put it in. There's all sorts of things that pop up in the production process. So, you know, there's there are little small things that I would have loved to still have in there and some big things too like um you know there were more scenes in over the course of both films between with barbara gordon jim's All wife right because for me and i think the whole team the story was a we looked at the story as if you know gotham city is a main character but let's figure out how does what's what is and we we see an arc for gotham city in this story our you know, our Gotham City. Gotham City starts with um with um, w- you know, being sort of uh, under under criminal mob rule. And by the yeah. end of the mm-hmm. story, we're under the criminal rule of another different kind of mob. and um and so there's an arc, and there's a transition. But also this is a and I think that for me, that was the idea of Halloween. Halloween is is sort of a family tradition. Um, and the idea that, and, and we see between the Falcones and the Dents and the Waynes and the Gordons, we see these families, uh, who make up the, the foundation on which Gotham city is built. And we get to see sort of what service to Gotham city does and how it affects those families. And that's to me is a key theme in the book that I picked up on. And, um, you know, whether that's something that 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 they really wanted to communicate or not. That was, you know, like I think like any great work of art, you look at it, and sometimes we see things maybe that that are say more about us than they do about the artist. Oh, yeah. um, so I have no idea if that's something that Jeff and Tim wanted to showcase, but it's something we picked up on and we wanted to put in there. And and so um, so more scenes with Barbara uh, were for me important not only to help color Gilda's character. Yes. And some light, but also because they were between her and Gilda, they're also to, to sort of set the stage for where the Gordons' relationship is going, which, you know, if you if you do know Dark Victory, uh, you know, we know that, uh, and, and also not just Dark Victory, but in the history of the comics, yeah, um, you know, that marriage fails. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and and it is a, a direct result of of Jim's work in service to Gotham yes. City. And um, so, so, so that stuff I, I miss. The big thing in part two, that a lot of people will talk about is that we do not have the uh, riddler riddler is not a character who appears in the movie and that was a painful one for me but
0: the fake death at april fool's day
1: yeah it, it was it was tough because in in some ways you read that issue and you think well the status quo is sort of maintained at the end of that issue nobody holiday doesn't kill anyone now it's the question that you're left with the riddle that you're left with of when does a killer not kill is 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 essentially a change in the status quo but, but i just don't think it was something that was a was a part of the story that we ultimately were telling and um because we were refining sort of the way it ended and uh and and on top of that that april fools day story is very much a recap and it takes you through here are all the suspects Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. from you know riddler's perspective and batman's perspective and um you know it's sort of a catch-up when you're reading a monthly comic book and you're six months into a year-long run and it's a murder mystery and there are suspects on the board i think a really smart thing to do on the part of the creators of the book was to do uh you know here's here are all the suspects again in an incredibly clever way that's organic to Riddler's story and Batman's story. Um, for me, for us, when I tried to put it in the movie, it stopped the movie dead. Mm-hmm. You didn't need that recap. It, it was at a point when the movie needed to really kick it into a faster gear Yes. and we needed to keep it moving. And so it was incredibly painful and I didn't want to do it. And I, I came up with ideas for how to just tell a completely different Riddler story for that holiday, and I think we ultimately just said, well, if we're just going to do a completely different Riddler thing, how is that? How does that serve us in any way? It doesn't satisfy fans who want that story, and it doesn't help us with anything in the movie that we're that we need to 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 do. We're just taking up screen time that we could use on developing other characters and other things. So. The decision was made by the brilliant producers and executives above us, above me, that we would do a short film that I wrote called April's Fool. That was the Riddler story. And it was, you know, essentially that it could have it could take place within the world of this this movie that on April Fool's Day, we simply turned the camera over to Wayne Manor. But this this Riddler story was happening on the other side of town. And uh, unfortunately, because of the way the production got shut down based on what was happening with the oh. b- budget for the short didn't end up happening uh, the way it was supposed to. And it, it uh, we ended up having to use that, I think, to finish the movies in order to release the main movies. And so we they never produced the short. So it's sitting in a drawer somewhere. Um, it made it easier for me in the scripting process, knowing that. Well, we'll still get to do the Riddler story. It'll just be, you know, in a short it's film something. that will accompany the feature. But, uh, but um, you know, and we had plans to do other ones, too. I had a, another one which focused on another sort of integral character in the Long Halloween, which also focused on a holiday that we don't see in the book and that we don't see in the movie. And uh, a very huge holiday. And there's a character in there who really has a lot uh, to sort of represent about that holiday. And um, and I I wrote a a short little short film about it and as as if it was a a calendar page removed from the calendar of the movie that you could also insert back in if you wanted to and um, ultimately uh, you know that you know, those I I'm not going to tell you what it was because you know ah. I, heard I hold, on, hold on someday someday there'll be enough demand that somebody will produce those.
0: Right, listeners, you heard it here first. Hashtag release the Sheridan cut. Uh, we want it. We want it now. Make these short films. Give us the Riddler, give us Santa Claus, or whoever that other character was.
1: We just don't know. You know, it's, it's really not tough to figure out, I think. I think once you realize what's the biggest holiday that's not in the book uh, on the calendar, one of the biggest, and one of historically one of the biggest holidays, like just has a long history, that, and then you figure out, well, what character in these movies. Has something that is very much directly has a story that's very much directly related to that holiday. You'll you'll figure it out. I I look forward to your tweets.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, we're going to put out the the call as soon as this podcast release. Give us your answers, and uh, winner gets a signed um, Riddler short story from Tim Sheridan, if and when it's ever made.
1: <laughs> I agree to nothing.
0: Absolutely no, I'm I'm putting words in your mouth here because I wouldn't give that away. I'd keep it myself. No, anyway,
1: (laughs) I think Um, it's funny people want things signed. I'm like, you want me to deface this perfectly good thing? (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Flattering. Flattering. Thank you for that. Good answers. I like it. But um, speaking of, uh, you neatly led into it, because you said uh, what Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale did. You said, uh, obviously, you tried to foreshadow Harvey's change with the dialogue and Josh Duhamel's wonderful performance. But um, obviously, I did see a lot of nods in shadows and light with half of Harvey's face being covered, much like Tim Sale did in the original, which was just beautiful to look at. But um, have you had... Any direct responses from Messrs. Loeb and sale themselves about the film?
1: No, no, I haven't. and I, I, to be honest, i would be I would be terrified <laughs> to, uh, to get that call. i I you know, look, I, I'll tell you, as a writer and creator of my own sort of you know my own stories, my own things that, that are that, that I originate. If somebody else came, it doesn't, I don't care how good it is. If somebody else came along and made a different version in a different medium of a thing that I created, mm. it doesn't matter how good it is, I would have big notes. <laughs> 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 and I, you know, so I, I would, I, I feel like I, I would, um, I would empathize with, with anybody in that situation. And, uh, you know, I would, um, I, I hope that, that they they would know that um, that we the whole team you know only made this these movies because of our absolute love for their book and um, that our goal was not is not to be the new version of the book it's to celebrate the book and hopefully inspire people who haven't read it in a while to pick it up again or who've never read it to pick up that book and read it. Or people who just put it down to pick it right back up again. You know, it's a the idea for us is to celebrate that source material in a way that uh, you know, in another medium, that maybe will bring more people to that book for the first time or bring them around again to it. That that's that's you know, that's for that's not like a, a stock answer or lip service or anything. That is absolutely how we Butch and Jim and I felt when we sat down and started talking about this. Um, we're just we just love the book so much, you know, and I, I, so I, I it would kill me to talk to him and say, you, you know, for having to say you really screwed this up or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would say, but I meant well. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, <laughs> Jeff's a screenwriter as well. He he knows um, yeah. the changes that have to happen. Oh. But you know you succeeded because you listened to the podcast of a review for episode one, and you know that I pulled out the long boxes, and I reread Long Halloween after part one. And yes, Tim, I did it again after watching part two. So I've reread The Long Halloween twice in the space of the last couple of months because of your movie. So let's pray it's done that with other fans, too. Hopefully, hey, wait, maybe not, even for the first time.
1: Not just for people to read it, but for people to buy it. Because I'll yeah. tell you what. I hope those guys, I'm sure they must get a royalty off of people buying I that. Book. So. <laughs> it's never I gone would, out of print. I, so I, I listen, you can put more money in an artist's pocket, you know, and a great one like Tim Sale. I'm, I'm all I'm here for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And my um, trade is getting tatty and I'm not going to reread my original 13 issues because I've learned my lesson with that the hard way. So, yeah, OK. Yep, I'm going to buy a long Halloween again. Can
1: you believe they're doing a new Halloween special, Jeff and Tim? Yes, can't wait.
0: We reported that on the site and I went nuts.
1: I heard about it. I've been working at DC Comics lately Mm -hmm. and I heard about it. Oh, we're going to talk about that, Tim. What's that?
0: We're going to talk about your work for DC Comics. Oh, good. good.
1: Well, one (laughs) of the things that came up, my editor told me one day a little while back that they were going to work on that. And I thought, I hope that it's well look it's the what it's the 25th anniversary of the long halloween so you know we weren't I'm, I'm glad it's not just the movies like stealing that 25th anniversary spotlight and that jeff and tim are coming in and gracing us all with another another poor part of the story i i cannot wait i don't know anything about it I, I i will be reading it i'll be running out and buying it just like everybody else and can't wait to read it
0: oh that's got my money ready waiting and it's going to be there. The day it comes out, I'm spending money and I'm probably going to get all the covers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, again, you're feeding me straight into the questions I want to ask you. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> um, your comics work. Again, as I said, a lot of our writers, we review your stuff. Now, I have to, have to, have to. I've seen it in, in Long Halloween, a love and a knowledge of Batman. But your work on Teen Titans Academy the whole thing of introducing the love triangle between Dick and uh, Corey and Barbara, the whole thing of reintroducing Red X from the Teen Titans animated series, you've got the world going nuts trying to figure out who this guy is. I think it's Dick Grayson, but that's just too obvious, um, especially after the, the face the character pulls, oh, God, yeah, he said he was coming in a minute, and he came, and he's like, well, yeah, of course he did. <laughs> but anyway, I'm reading too much into it. I want to ask you, roy harper academy you've had some input into infinite frontier will the new black lantern will the returning roy harper ever visit the school that he's
1: named for hmm that's interesting um good question uh no i mean I, I by the way i haven't i didn't have any input in infinite frontier other than you know they asked Story, me to write a, yeah, yeah. asked me to write a couple of pages for issue mm-hmm. zero be a launching pad for the academy uh, book but um but yeah, uh, you know, I mean that's Josh, Josh Williamson is is doing a great job on that that book. And I can't wait uh to uh to see where it goes. But but um in terms of Roy, you know, I mean the thing is nobody really knows that Roy is alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, certainly at the academy. Um so boy, if he did show up, that would be big news for them, I would think. Um I don't know. Uh, that's, uh, it's a, you know, that's that's interesting stuff to think about. Um, you know, uh, all I will say is the story takes place at a school in Teen Titans Academy and that schools are well known for uh, an event here, at least in the States, called Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, who knows? There is a Homecoming issue uh, coming up.
0: Ah, well, we had a yearbook, so yeah, homecoming—that makes sense. I mean, I'm looking forward to the, to the prom issue,
1: then definitely. <laughs> 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 um, no, the homecoming hmm. is uh, is 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 something that uh, is a story point. so.
0: Oh, looking forward to that one, and of course the other Teen Titans mainstay. I mean, this is again one of the original before Wolfman and Perez. Uh, Wally West is Flash again. Will he be visiting the school at any point, or can you again not tell us?
1: Good question. I mean, you know, I think, I think uh, I'm going to just refer to my last answer. I think is what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, I have to ask you a question though, which is, you know did did you, are you reading The Flash? Yes. So you saw Jeremy Adams, who's a friend of mine, who's a brilliant writer, who's, who's writing Flash right now, um, wrote a story that uh, takes us back to that moment in Heroes mm-hmm. in Crisis and uh, shines a different light on that. Brilliantly
0: shines a different light on it.
1: Yeah. And uh, so, you know, the question really is how much of how much of the perception of that moment has changed in universe in in continuity mm-hmm. among all the characters and uh you know it seems to me that um you know there's a lot of emotions surrounding how all that went down and um and maybe you know with the new information that we have those those feelings may shift and change and who knows and uh, it would be really nice to uh to see that stuff play out a little bit
0: Oh, enigmatic. Oh, yes, yes.
1: Uh, I I saw the fans
0: who were complaining about Wally's dark turn in Heroes in Crisis. The current Flash series takes nothing away from that, but as you said, shines a completely different light on it and restores Wally's heroism beautifully. It's, It's really well done. You
1: know what's amazing about it? This is why Jeremy is such a brilliant writer. What, what's incredible about that moment is you have all these Wally West stands mm-hmm. who are like, Yes, redemption for, for Wally and elevation of Wally, and that's wonderful for them. And then you have the Roy Harper stands mm-hmm. who get to see Roy in make the most heroic sort of action he's yeah. ever made. And and really just elevate him in a huge way. And uh, it's just, there's so much so much happening in, in that, that, uh, that that's just, you know, that's, that's economy uh, and, you know, of writing and, and of really good writing, as far as I'm concerned. I'm jealous of him, very jealous of him.
0: First. There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came The Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I. Am. The Knight.
2: Why hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Madbub. A Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant
1: since 1966. Oh look, go And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up the battle nuts. I definitely do not fuck that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm,
0: educational and informative.
2: All work and no play makes for a dull way to live, don't you agree? Join me, Adam Ray, and a very special guest each week on the Hostile Takeover, where they and I discuss their favourite game, PC, console, board game or tabletop, whatever they decide, and what we will talk about. Let gaming be the way forward. Working's too much, it's time for a Hostile Takeover, coming soon to a podcast feed near you. In a world of stereotypes, being called a geek comes with a certain image. There is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream, and behind every geek is a real story.
1: My dad was the one who got me into Star Wars and things.
2: Join me, your super dummy Paul as I continue my learning experience and talk to the real people.
0: I'm a secondary school teacher, so I teach 11 to 16 year olds in English.
2: Hear their stories exclusively on Fantastic Universes. He's one of them like, you've ever going to grow up? And I'm like, no, why should I? I, I like my life. I, I enjoy what I do. This is my hobby. Available on all your favourite podcast catchers.
0: Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But I'll just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC
2: Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts.
2: Google Play.
0: Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked.
1: podcast catcher
0: it's amazing to hear writers who are doing really well who obviously we love your work because you're on the show talk about other writers that way it, it's lovely i do get a huge sense of family scott snyder gave me more comments on my twitter when i was praising james tynan's work than he ever did when i was talking about his own books so yeah.
1: there you go that's amazing. that's amazing these these are the guys who I, we all look to you know i feel like i'm like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> I'm I'm looking to those guys and watching what they're doing and trying to learn how to do this. And comic books are a very, very different medium that I only started working in as a writer last year. And um, I, I'm a lifelong comic book reader, but reading comics is completely different than writing comics mm-hmm. and creating comics. And um, you know, uh, I look to those guys, and uh, and and they, there's there's a you know I, when I started this. I had nothing but uh Denny O'Neill's book on writing for DC comics or writing comics. My hero. And uh right. and a sample Jeff Johns Shazam script that my editor gave me and said, do it like this guy. <laughs> and I was like, hey, like no pressure, thanks. Like I'm supposed to like do do it like Jeff Johns. Like, I don't think so. You know, like I'll I think he just meant literally in terms of how I formatted the script. <laughs> just the technical stuff. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of your heroes, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I do sense a huge amount of Marv Wolfman and George Perez loving your Teen
1: Titans work. I, am I a million miles away?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> not even. You're a million miles away. No, you are spot on, right on target. Look, I here's the thing about Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Now, first of all, new Teen Titans is, you know, Kind yeah. of everything. <laughs> I, I Magic. I, crazy, crazy. Read it when I was a kid, started reading it when I was a kid. Um, but also when I was a kid, before I picked up New Teen Titans, I read, I picked, Batman was my first, you know, gateway into comics. I read Batman Year 3, the Mark Wolfman yes. arc. And first appearance that led of Tim Drake. People. Well, yes, in Lonely Place of Dying, when he put on the costume for the first Mm -hmm. time, Tim Drake. And uh, so that was all during the Wolfman era in Batman that um, that was my introduction to Batman in comics. And so I was, you know, when I saw, I started seeing, and you can't mistake that name, Marv Mm -hmm. Wolfman, you -hmm. know? And so I started seeing that name everywhere. I started gobbling it up. Now, another thing that defined my childhood is uh is you know right behind me in my office right now is there's a poster for the 1986 animated transformers the movie and um you know the transformers were a huge huge Mm -hmm. impact on this kid that movie was a huge impact on me because it was the first time as a little kid i sat in the theater and i watched you know i was taught a lesson i was taught that sometimes the good guys don't win Mm-hmm. Sometimes the bad guys win and sometimes the good guys die. Sometimes your heroes can die. Mm-hmm. That became real to me for the first time uh, in that theater, in that dark theater watching that movie. And that informed all of my storytelling sensibilities. And and Marv Wolfman in his Batman comics was telling a story about big consequences and chickens coming to roost for for Dick Grayson and for Batman, and 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 also for Tim too, and, and certainly Jason Todd, um, at that point, and uh, and that has informed everything about what I think and feel and what excites me as a storyteller. Marv Wolfman ended up being, I think, the head writer, if not a writer. I think he was the head writer on Transformers season three, which mm-hmm. was the yes, season indeed. that picked up from the movie, from the movie. And told to, sort of dealt with all the consequences. From that seminal movie story that I that I loved so much, and I didn't know it until years later that I had watched this Marv Wolfman head writer season of Transformers and loved it so much, um, you know. And then 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 he's done other other projects like Beast Machines as well, which I think is so great, um, you know. So Marv has just been somebody who is his work has always been in in the the background and then the foreground of my life um and so there's 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 you know not no, nothing more exciting to me than when they told me I would get to you know have the keys to the tit- to the titans car and then also also that I would get to bring in the new teen titans as as the faculty as characters in the, in the book um nobody does it like Marvin listen nobody
2: mm-hmm. does it
1: like marvin Jordan, nobody and nobody ever will uh but just to get to play adjacent to that sandbox is you know uh, my you know 10 year old dream come true and i'm getting to live it right now by the way i recently met the man oh and, he's a uh, wonderful man mar, not george but mar mm-hmm. and he is such an amazing guy he's a lovely he's guy, so much fun he's so humble mm-hmm. i wish he would be humble i wish he was like yes i am a legend you know <laughs>
0: He would never say those words. He would
1: never. He would never say those words. I don't know him well. I just think I I get the impression he would never say something like that. Real stand-up guy, super talented, still going strong. And, uh, you know, lots more stories to come from that guy.
0: Oh, I hope so, because his last Superman special was an absolute joy. Yeah. Gorgeous. And, yeah. and same with George Perez. Uh, I, I, I have met him twice on the convention circuit and again, people who say don't meet your heroes, when it comes to Marv Wolfman and George Perez, meet them. You will not be yeah. disappointed. They're beautiful, yeah. beautiful beautiful, yeah. beautiful human beings. So and that Tim Sheridan, guys, he's not bad either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a hero to someone.
0: <laughs> oh, well, listen, the way things are going, obviously the two films are great um I'm loving what you're doing on on Teen Titans Academy and Shazam because oh it was tragic that so many delays hit the the recent series by Jeff Johns but you've come back fighting um thrown him into the t- Titans where I think he's a massive great fit so again, what
1: was that again something you pitched was that something DC wanted so in the beginning when I first started working when they when they asked me when they approached let me dial it back. I came in because <clears throat> the the previous uh, regime, uh, editorial regime, um, brought me and a bunch of other animation writers in because they wanted to bring in some new voices mm-hmm. uh, into comics. And it was when they were um, fig- they were working out the five G initiative that they were um, that was going to be a, a new sort of paradigm in uh, in DC Comics. Um, I was uh, asked to write two books, which was going to be a, a new version of the flash with a new flash, a new flash, um, and a, um, and a a Nightwing Oracle book that would, would, um, would have an an older Nightwing and Oracle as the featured characters that were going to be more my age than, uh, than, than we'd seen them before. And I was so excited about doing that, but that, initiative, um, ended up, you know, going away, <laughs> um, when they changed up the, the, the leadership at DC. And I thought, well, that was it. That was my chance. Uh, I guess I, you know, maybe someday somebody will call me and I'll get to write comics, but this is not going to happen this time. Well, Mike Cotton, who was going to be my editor on the flash book, mm-hmm. uh, eventually called me and said, what do you think about teen Titans? And, uh, and also what do you think about Shazam? And, I had, the thing that got me in the door was I, I pitched a Shazam story with an older Billy Batson, more, you know, my age mm-hmm. and uh, who had been through some stuff. And um, and and what's interesting is that Cotton hadn't seen that, but it was the thing oh. that got the leadership, the editorial to call me in in the first place was my take on on a different take for, for Shazam. Anyway, when Cotton said, what do you think about Shazam? We started talking. We then we, we started talking about future state, and we looked at that as a launching pad for the story that I would tell mm-hmm. with Teen Titans and Shazam in the ongoing series. So we sort of crafted the, you know, this sort of ending to us to the story, and then take you through sort of how that ending could could happen. Um and so Shazam was always part of the the discussion from the beginning. The only thing that really changed was in the very beginning, I wanted the story to be that Billy Batson had completely lost the the power of Shazam that he had, okay. he was Billy Batson. And he was, he was a mortal kid who had no uh powers uh at this moment. And he didn't understand why. And it's really rocked his world and changed his life. And so he enrolled at the Academy because, you know, Nightwing is there and maybe Nightwing can mm-hmm. teach him how to be a hero without powers, you know, which is something he knows about. What if anybody could, and if anybody could, right. Um, and so I kind of crafted this idea for an, a mentor-mentee relationship mm. between the original bat son, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dick Grayson, and Billy Batson. Um, and uh, Billy and, Batson. and sort of that, that kind of changed because I think at some point uh, DC said, you know, well, so wait, <laughs> are you pitching doing a Shazam book in which we never see Shazam? Then it's only Billy <laughs> she has, um then, hmm, <laughs> when you put it like that <laughs> and so we we sort of uh, came up with the idea that the power exists for him it's just completely unreliable and he has mm-hmm. no real control over it and doesn't know where or when he's w- which body he's going to wake up in next and and how that's going to inform the rest of his life and that inspired the idea that, well this is a story uh, Than about growing up, which is yes. ultimately what Billy Batson's story has always been about. He's a character mm-hmm. who literally grows up every day for a living, you know, yeah. and and then he he you know uh, becomes a kid again. And and there's there are two ways to look at that. You know, there's the 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 way we used to look at it. I think it was designed to appeal to kids to think, oh, I can be just like my dad or my older brother or my heroes, and you know, even though I'm this little kid, I I can. On the inside, I can be this, you know, really strong guy, you know, and um, but I looked at it from the other perspective of like when you're Shazam. Fighting the fights that you're fighting, the battles that you're fighting and against the kind of villains that you come up against and the mm-hmm. terrible things the, the universe is, is faced with. And you fight those things on a daily basis. What does it feel like to then be able to say a magic word and let all that go and be an innocent kid? yes and not have all the weight of that on your shoulders um to to for atlas to be able to put down the globe you know yeah. um and and for billy to realize that there's an advantage to that and what is it going to mean when he grows up and can't ch- and and he sees it as and we come at it from the perspective of what happens if i'm stuck in that adult body and i can't be a kid again and you know in the first issue of Shazam you know nightwing tells him that's what growing up is you know sooner or later we all have to do it and i think that's a lesson that uh, i really wanted billy to 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 learn um and to embrace because ultimately his his story in the shazam four-part miniseries that ties in to Teen Titans academy and future state um is about you know letting go for billy Mm -hmm. it's all about letting go and uh and there's, there's things like that that he, he has to think about letting go of.
0: Wow. Very cool. Very cool indeed. I mean, the one thing that I, I'm a little bit sad about with the new Shazam run is the fact that it's a limited. Do you foresee the possibility that it could become an ongoing or do you have any plans or would you even
1: like that to happen? I, ha- I mean, I, I would love for it to happen. First of all, let me just say this. The idea of getting to write a book around one character and not several teams, which is yeah, the task hard. I set for myself, like Titans Academy, yeah. which is so hard. One team is hard enough, but I managed to make it a three-team book somehow. Yep. Um, and uh, so doing that is is so difficult that the the idea of writing just a Shazam book is like music to my ears, um, where I just get to really focus on Billy and Shazam. You know, um, the the thing about that is. I managed to, in the middle of this process, pitch. I think the next sort of uh, the next arc for Shazam comics. Now I don't know what form that's going to take. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be a solo series. I have no idea. But I do know what sort of what part of the story is, and I pitched something that I don't think I should write, and so. It, someone else is going to come in and write it. And I, again, I don't know if it's going to be a solo series or if it's going to be something else or what. But the, char- the, the, the Shazam uh, character is going to um, have a, a, you know, some, some stuff happening that, that I felt that someone else should, should, should handle, you know, at least in this case. But someday, someday, if, if, if somebody wants me to, to come in and, and write some, uh, some more Shazam, boy, I, I, I really... Really, if I had a story to tell, and and I do, <laughs> um, I would uh, I would I would want to do that. Fantastic!
0: Oh, that's got me excited for sure. Let's see what happens.
1: But let's. Well, you'll be excited slightly. or you'll be infuriated. I mean, this is the way comics yeah, are. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's comics you, forever.
1: You tend to—I I get the impression that you tend to be—you're my favorite kind of fan. Like you seem to be very enthusiastic about new ideas and coming at yeah. things a different angles, and and like that's how I am. I'm just like you know i always i never understand why people like rag on a, one creator or one filmmaker's version of a of a dc thing or a comic book thing it's i'm like oh, why not both? why yeah. not all of it you know like it, it it's a multiverse like yeah. why not you know <laughs> like let's look at it from this angle for a little bit okay maybe it wasn't my cup of tea but you know i i would never fault someone for taking a stab at it you know give it a try see if anything comes, kind of shakes out of it you know so we'll see we'll see what happens with with shazam going forward
0: well let's hope we get more of him because i'm a huge fan of the original captain marvel how and that's how i will always know him as the original captain marvel but that's just me being I'm, old and grumpy
1: oh, i'm <laughs> trying to stay on brand for dc over here saying shazam however if you read my books, you know that I take every opportunity possible to refer to him as the captain mm-hmm. or some variation thereof. Um <laughs> to me, that's um you know, I'm like you.
0: <laughs> yeah, the original th- <laughs> the first, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now let's move slightly, stick with the same color, move from the big red cheese to the mysterious red X. Um,
2: um Clearly,
0: yes. you watched the Teen Titans animated series where everyone thought, yeah, the whole time that was Dick Grayson, but then at the end there was another Red X. And I, I don't expect you to tell us who it is because we want to read it. But what brought him back? Why did you want to write about this different iteration of the Boy Wonder Teen? Well,
1: Wonder? well he wasn't, Red X wasn't part of the Titans story no. when I first pitched it. Oh. And- and so uh, for the comics yeah for titans academy and somewhere early on in the process my editor called me and said hey uh you know what do you think about red x and i said from the from the murakami show i said i I, you know it was a, was a, a great big swing and an iconic character uh and he said you know he's never been in main continuity before and we're talking to to uh to the powers that be about about doing that, about bringing him into main continuity. And we thought it would make sense for him to be in, you know, the Titans. And because uh, he's a Titans character. Right?
0: Yes, absolutely. And,
1: uh, and I, then my mind started reeling with possibilities. And I ended up sort of adapting the the story uh, to, to include Red X. And what was important for me was for this to not be Dick Grayson, Red X, or the second Red X. Or uh a third Red X that I mentioned in Teen Titans Academy number one that some people caught and some people didn't that we haven't we don't know anything about., uh, it is actually the 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 red X we're dealing with uh throughout most of, of teen Titans academy is is Red X four. <laughs> um and this is uh, a young a young person who is uh who is a new version of uh, Red X. Now, what we learned in the annual is that, mm-hmm a previous Red X, essentially, for lack of a better word, adopted uh, the kid that's, that will grow up to put on the mask as Red X4. And uh, and so there's a, a, a familial legacy there to, to this Red X. Um, so family is very important to this character. Because for me, that's the big thing about the character now is we started really hard on who is... Red X. Who is Red X? We really came out the gate strong with who is Red X, but the story has transitioned, and I think it's less important and less interesting, really, about who Red X is, but why? Why, yeah. why are they Red X? And we saw, so we saw a little bit of of that in the annual, and we're going to see more of that, uh, you know, in the upcoming issues of Titans Academy. Fantastic.
0: Now, clearly, you've written the screenplays for the Long Halloween parts one and two. The Titans, Dick Grayson, Red X. I'm sensing a lot of love for the Bat family and the fact you created the Bat Pack, who I am nuts about. I love these guys. And, you know, my buddy, Kevin Gallagher, who, who reviews this sh- the book for. Uh, one yes. of my side, Start Night News, has uh, said that um, you know this would make a great CW show. So when it happens, um, obviously you're going to hire Kevin and I to to write a few episodes and join the, <laughs> the writing staff, yeah? Because we pitched it. <laughs> <You> know, <absolutely laughs> Creators' rights, all that sort and of. And
1: stuff. I will have that much power, I'm sure. Listen, if they make how these things work. If they make that show, guess who's not going to be working on it? This guy. I mean, I, and not because I don't. <laughs> Because they'll, they'll hire somebody much better to come in and do that show. Um, I, you know, I was thrilled when they said Jeff Johns was doing Stargirl because I just, oh, and I love yeah. the show. And I think nobody can do it like Jeff. And uh, and so, you know, he's telling his story and he's doing a great job of it. It's a, the most like a comic book come to life uh, yep. on screen since, for me, since uh, Batman 66. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, it, it really feels like the, like a realization, TV realization of a comic book. Um, so, uh, so yeah, but I mean, listen, I appreciate you saying that about the backpack. I'm crazy, <laughs> crazy about those characters to They're great. Right. I, I reserved them a little in the first couple of issues because I, I wanted to, I knew I was going to do a couple of issues, really give rooting them in, in the middle of the story and getting you to learn more about them. So I teased them a little bit in the first three issues and then four and five, you really learn a lot about them. And, uh, but they're, those characters are really representative of me and you probably too, yep. like a. Kids, mm-hmm. and there's that great Batman animated series episode where you see the kids in Gotham like telling each other the, I think it's, yeah, the kids telling each other the the urban sort of legends of Batman yes. and the sort of tall tales, what they've heard about who Batman is and what Batman is. And that was kind of the jumping off point for me because that's, to me, that that episode was about all of us in the show. It's about, we all grew up hearing and reading different versions and iterations of Batman. And they're kind of like from a different person's perspective, all of them. And you, there's a Batman the Warrior, and there's Batman the Detective, and and uh, you know Batman in space. And Batman, yep. you know, There's just there's so many um, you know sort of iterations, uh, and uh, and you know I think um, that uh, that that it's fun to get to see sort of who you know who are. Let's look at some characters like us who grew up on those myths and legends and have ideas about who Batman is and just kind of worship Batman. I, that's sort of who I am. So yep. <laughs> uh, kids really stand in for me in a lot of ways.
0: that That's the guy I see when I shave every morning as well. The guy who loves Batman and, and my poor wife will attest to uh, my approaching 10,000 physical comic book collection, most of which is Batman. So, yeah, I'm with you.
1: That's great, and I have it's
0: to great. thank you and uh let my buddy Ryan Lauer know that you're wearing a Batman Book Club t-shirt. He'd oh be so pleased.
1: I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Batman Book Club t-shirt. Yes. Yes. So thank
0: yes. you for that. That's gonna make his day, and I'm gonna definitely gonna shout that out gonna, on the show. He's gonna
1: too. ask me, "Are you? But are you gonna wear it on on my show or what?" Do you said, <laughs> like, "When are you?" Gonna, Come on, come, come, and, come and, uh, hang out with the book club and wear the shirt. You know?
0: Absolutely. Um, speaking of Kevin, he also stated in a review that he felt a lot of Scooby-Doo love and John Hughes love in Teen Titans Academy. Please, sir, uh, um, elaborate. Are, are any of those close to the mark?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I've written some Scooby-Doo, right? I mean, yes, I grew up on Scooby-Doo and uh, there is. Um, you know, there's. Uh, I, I got when I started my career, I got was very lucky to get to work on some Scooby Doo stuff, and uh, and uh, and so I think everything I do is sort of has some influence from from everything else that's come before. So yeah, I mean, certainly I, I love that stuff. You you will you will see a much more overt Scooby Doo okay. uh, reference reference in in uh, Titans Academy uh, number six the uh, the uh, issue coming out um later this month mm-hmm. so there's that um but uh, yeah knew, but you know it, the 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 big the big pitch for when i when i pitched on titans academy you know they came to me dc came to me and said we got this idea for titans academy and i was like well, that's an amazing idea here's how i would do it and the first thing i said was it's degrassi with superpowers Oh, um okay. and, and so that was kind of the original concept. It's evolved a little bit since then, but I, I can know, see I, it though. I wanted it to be as much, you know, teen melodrama at school, you know, yes. uh my so-called life, my so-called super life, you know, uh as much as possible, but it it was it's just, you know, the, the sort of the, the demands and the editorial and the waste where, where stories are going and things sort of end up changing and adapting. And, and I'm just learning how to tell these stories, too. So um, it didn't it's not I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's really landed as Degrassi or my so-called life as much as I wanted to. But um, but I'm having a great time, you know,
0: <laughs> and it shows. Absolutely. So let's just then talk about you as a writer. And obviously you say you're new to comics. How did it feel? And I ask this of every comics writer when you saw the first final printed issue, and you had it in your hands, and you thought, "Wow, <laughs> what, what was that like?"
1: I mean, I enjoyed it for about a minute and a half, and then I had a deadline that I had to get. <laughs> <working>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Brilliant. I, I put, you know, I put it in a frame, and I. Uh, you know, it's, um, I, the, those, those, all the, the, you know, the number ones, like I got to, I got to write, you know, four different number ones that came out in the course of a couple of months, Mm -hmm. you know, with, you know, future state Teen Titans, future state Shazam, Titans Academy, number one, and then, uh, Masters of the Universe, Revelation, number one for Dark Horse that came out as well. And uh, and then Shazam number one as well. So I've had a year of getting to do these number ones, which look really cool in a frame, oh, you yes. know. <laughs> Even though you know, like some of them are like one of four, <laughs> or or one of two in future states uh, case. And it's really cool. I mean, it's really cool. I mean, if you yeah, told to if be. you had told me as a kid that 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 my name that that you know Sheridan would mm. be on the book, I you know I I would probably. I don't know. I probably would have believed you because I, I bet I was arrogant enough to think I could do this at, at that point. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't have known, you know, that I that I that I that I would really, really be getting to work with all the, the, the characters that I grew up loving and who sort of informed everything about me as a storyteller.
0: Excellent. On that note holy grail character the one character you'd love to write above all others and it doesn't have to be a big two the one character you think oh yeah i'd love to write a story about them
1: oh i mean gosh for let, let me just it's hard to say because 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 there i have different i have different different ver- first of all i've gotten to write for some of my a lot of them yep. like the number one would have been batman well i've gotten to mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. so he's you know, I, I I could still keep him up there on the list. I'd love to keep writing um, uh and Superman. You know, I already I've been there, and and I I would love to be there again. But the big the holy in terms of DC, I've gotten to write him before. But in the comics, you know, I really love to uh, to work with Booster Gold. Oh, nice! I'm, I'm a big fan of Booster Gold, and uh, I have, I had some fun writing Booster on television. And uh, and I I just for me, there's 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 a lot I, I would like to do with that character. Having said that, um, I, you know, that's I don't know that he's my number one. Like I also Tim Drake. I'm crazy about Tim oh, Drake. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. You know, and I'm crazy about the question, you know, so I, I those are all characters I want to do in terms of like bigger stuff, too. Like the ones I haven't gotten my my grubby little hands in yet are Doctor Who, Star Wars oh. and Star oh. Doctor oh, Who, Star yes. Trek are things that you know define so much of who many of us are, and are hugely important to me. And I just have I have stories to tell, so I'd love to get in there. <laughs> yeah. I think you and
0: I were separated at birth, a couple of decades apart. You transformers, Doctor Who, and Batman—they're
1: yeah. my jam. <laughs>
0: that, that's that's what I'm all about.
1: Well, yeah, I was a little kid growing up in Rhode Island, where the old, what we had for Doctor Who, my my. My PBS. experience with Doctor Who as a kid was on PBS, yeah. WGBH Boston, where, uh, you know, they they would show some Doctor Who serials on Saturdays. And we would sit in front of the TV, my brother and I, and he was the one who showed me this thing and told me, you know, hey, watch this. It's good. And um, and I was absolutely confused. And it was all Tom Baker all the time yeah. until the day that all of a sudden, without any warning, they started playing a John Pertwee episode. And they were calling him the Doctor, and I was yeah. like, "What is going on? What is this? What do you mean, Doctor? That's not the Doctor." And uh, as a little kid, and uh, you know, so that was it for a while, and for a long time, it was all uh, Baker and Pertwee. And then uh, I remember seeing my first, uh, you know, Fifth Doctor uh, episode.
0: So did they never show a regeneration? They just jumped from doctor to doctor? What the? Oh, no, they
1: were all out of order. They were never, there wow. was never any continuity to it. And so I didn't really, and if I had seen a regeneration, I probably didn't know what was going on. And so it, as a little kid, it didn't make, none of it made sense to me. Um, it wasn't until I think I was in high school that I started to get, like <laughs> when I, because when I, I I got back into Doctor Who, because some friends of mine we're watching it, and I, I, I started to understand the story more in in high school, and, and that's shortly before the Fox American TV movie came out, mm-hmm. um, uh, or or that which must not be named to go for some people. Um, I love I, it. I don't care. I, I love it. Oh. I love it. I, I'm, I'm the guy, like I said, who's like more Doctor Who. Like I don't care. Give me other yeah. angles, other thoughts on this. Plus, it had Sylvester McCoy, which legitimized yeah. all of it for me. And McGann was great. Oh, McGann. Well, he's so he was so great that he's still playing the Doctor. Yes. And and he's fantastic.
0: Brilliant. Oh, God. Doctor Who. Wow, you just blow my
1: mind. By the way, the eighth Doctor, mm-hmm. and, and and maybe. The first doctor, when he was a young man, are my two doctors that I would want to write for.
0: Oh, MFG, build me a TARDIS. I'm coming over. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! Oh, wow! I was not prepared for that. Thank you. I, I knew about the Transformers thing. I knew about the He-Man, but the Doctor Who things blown my mind because, as I said, that's uh, if if you could, I that, only me- my camera was
1: working. Yeah, There's the TARDIS. I- my camera's working. You see my little mini yes. TARDIS that I have on my desk. I have a lot of other TARDI in my <laughs> uh, playroom, my den with all my toys. And this one is always with me at all times. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: So I always like to wrap with something where I want you to tell me more about you, not just your work, not just about what everyone wants to hear. You've done interviews. I mean, you've done shed loads over the last few weeks and quite rightly so i I think your voice should be heard and you've probably been asked every question under the sun but has there been something you've wanted to talk about a question you wish someone would ask you that they didn't what is that question and what is i have
1: i have a spoilery for a long halloween part two question that nobody's asked me oh and i did tweet about it today during the uh long hallow watch along that we did with uh sci-fi now and warner brothers uk um but it's but no i i volunteered it because nobody's asked me the question and that question is it relates to part one uh, and 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 part two but really part one which is is when we see holiday commit the new year's murder of alberto Mm falconi is that the same holiday that is committing all the other murders because there is something a little different about the MO there. It's sort of out in the open Mm -hmm. and there's people around and it's almost like he's being shut up before he can say anything. It's there's just a very different sort of thing going on And I'm not saying that's really what's going on. I'm just saying it looks like those things. Mm -hmm. So, I was su- I'm surprised that no one even asked the question of you know could that be a different person <laughs> um and uh you know and and if I was asked that question and I assume perhaps maybe you're asking <laughs> that question yes I would answer as coyly and, and and completely uh noncommittal as I normally do and say I don't know what do you think
0: ah sheridan the shrink strikes again (laughs) (laughs) if only your mustache was slightly longer you could twirl it right about now (laughs) but nope he didn't do it absolutely uh tim it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to talk to you um Long may your work continue. Loving Teen Titans, loving Shazam. Let's hope we get to see the Riddler short and whatever else you have planned. But the finally, short yeah.
1: that I don't, won't tell you which holiday it is. So well, yes. maybe we'll figure it out. We'll
0: see. We're going to put the tweet out. Oh, yes. <laughs> Believe me, we're going to put the tweet out. So I just want to ask one final thing. As a writer, the one artist, dream artist, you would love to have collaborated with who may no longer be with us.
1: Oh, who may no longer be with us? Mm. Um, uh, well, I mean, I, it's you know Jack Kirby. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but um, but I think someone who has retired, you know, mm. who is still with us, but who I I don't think I would get to work with because they've retired is uh, is is George Perez. Oh, his eyesight! I know, bless him. Oh. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, his, I know he's. he's yeah, it's he has. Yeah. Some, he's now, and it's you know. But, but you know, he retired. Well, and that that guy, is, you know, was at the top of his game, and is is uh, is a, is. I've never met him. I would love to meet him.
0: Oh, what a great answer! Cause He's he's the best. He's as you say, he's my childhood.
1: Yeah, that, I mean that's the thing. I mean, absolutely, my childhood. Yes.
0: Teen Titans, Crisis on Infinite Earths, comics would not be what they are without him, but um. I said it in my reviews. Kevin said it in his. The spirit of the Wolfman Perez era is definitely in your book. So thank you for that.
1: I really appreciate that. That's that's amazing to hear. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Now, let's just tell our listeners and obviously uh, the people who are going to be reading part of this in print form on the Dark Knight News website. Where can we find more Tim Sheridan links, stories, anything you want to drop or plug? Go for it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. What what I would love is for everybody to please follow me so that I can annoy you with promotional things for stuff that I have (laughs) in the future. Please follow me on Twitter, which is the best place to get me. It's at I am Tim Sheridan. Um, And and yeah, I mean, there's there's some new stuff coming out. You know, Teen Titans uh, Academy is coming out at uh, number six at the end of this month. Um, Shazam number two comes out on uh, the 17th. Is that correct? I think Mm -hmm. next week and uh this week um that we're recording this i don't know when this is dropping but um, is it's, uh, it, it's uh, Re- masters of the universe revelation number 2 is uh, is on shelves so there's some some comics there for you and uh today the very day uh that we are, are recording this uh batman the long halloween part 2 is available on disc uh everywhere I think it was available in the UK yesterday. It's available mm-hmm. now in the US today. So uh, there's no reason for you to not be watching The Long Halloween Part 1 and 2 now because they're they're there. They're at your fingertips. Go and check them out. And uh, And uh, you can find me on Twitter to complain at me if you want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or to say thank you, um, preferably the latter. But hey, art is subjective. We love what we love.
1: Well, thank you for that.
0: Thank you, sir. Brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Sheridan, read his work you will not be sorry and watch these films if you're a Long Halloween fan, if you've never read it before, these are two great movies which will entertain you and uh, hey, they finally have Jensen Ackles as Batman, something he's wanted to do for 15 years and it's finally happened
1: So grateful for that
0: Questions in tonight's show came from Derek McNeil from DC Comics News and Dark Knight News Max Byrne from Dark Knight News, Fantastic Universes and the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. From Matthew B. Lloyd from the Comics in Motion Podcast Network and DC Comics News. From James Atias and Kevin Gallagher from Dark Knight News and from Faye Clark from Fantastic Universes and Dark Knight News. All music in this episode is by Professor Elemental and Tom Caruana. For more information, please go to professorelemental.com or tcrecords.com. That's T-E-A-S-E-A-records.com. After recording, Tim Sheridan said that there will be a box set in the future which will merge parts one and two of the Long Halloween movie into one super long feature-length movie. Keep an eye out for that. He also said thanks to all his fans who support his work. Remember, he's new to comics and hey, show him some love because he's a great guy. Fantastic universes can be found on Twitter and Facebook, as well as at the Fantastic Universes website. Just type Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice. To read more of my work, go to Twitter at Lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O, or type Steve J Ray into your search engine of choice. These are fantastic universes we travel through, and we hope to see you again very soon.
2: The world into what it should be. Never grow up in passion playing. Show up wearing imagination. Outside the line, all standing, waiting. Heroes, villains, angels, Satans. Oh my goodness gracious. Worth it to see the hotel star spaces. We made it. The date is eventually here. into of the convention. History. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's all picking off. Ah, your costume is amazing. I said your costume is. I've got a costume. You look great. Honestly. What's in this room? Fanboys drool over cosplay girls. B movie stars act like they rule the world. Sign autographs, discuss past glories, comic art, larping stories, panels, stalls, stands, skits. Professor Elementals on about six. Of course, at every con there's a couple of dicks. That's not real steam. Shut up. Yes it is Every other person makes it better Every volunteer all holds it together Yes You finally found your tribe Yes Every type all here inside We're all equal We're all worthy I don't know why they all have a go at furries If you want to dress up as a giant rabbit And have relations with a man squirrel That is none of my business I've seen Stranger Things I've done Stranger Things Oh, and it's nearly evening The best is yet to come Coming to the after party. Oh, TV, I'm When the sun goes down, it's a frontier town. Freaks come out when the geeks get down. Crammed in the back with a hazardous drink. A swig of absinthe, I'm back from the brink. Oh, and nobody knows the rules of noises in hotel rooms. Oh. Rubber fed hugging the fanatical fan. Darth Vader down with six, six Batmans. Batmans Parties packed, jams, eclectic, fandom, army, all connected. All the best, unique, the same. All invited, join the game. All done. Broken, see you next year!